Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Book Talk with Kara. I'm Kara Putman and the author of more than 40 books. More than that, though, I read more than 120 books a year. I love to introduce readers to their next favorite book, and I delight in mentoring writers. Book Talk is where readers and writers meet to talk books and why we love them. So join us as we pull back the curtain on how we write books and what we love to read. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Book Talk with Kara. And my guest today is Angela Bell. And y'all, I am so excited because we're going to talk about her debut novel, A Lady's Guide to Marvels and Misadventures. And I have to say, I have really enjoyed this book. And we were just talking about what do we even call it? Because it's like whimsical Victorian, a little bit of steam, uh, punk without the punk and historical romance. It's like all of these different things woven together. But what I love about it is it's 1860, but all over Europe. I mean, you're bebopping your characters all over. They start in London and then they're in Prague and then they're in, well, they're in Amsterdam and now they're in France and they're just all over the place. How did you get the idea for this book? Well, honestly, I had to think about this for a while because I started working on this book back in 2016. Um, I remember I was reading Around the World in 80 Days at the time and really enjoying it. I was loving the ability to travel from the comfort of my own home. I've always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to go to Europe, but I've never had the chance. Um, so I was kind of going on that adventure with Jules Verne's characters and then my brain kind of put together, you know, these travel elements are kind of reminiscent of another love of mine, which is the Nutcracker Ballet, specifically the dance of the sweets, each suite representing a different country. And I was like, well, how fun would it be if I had some characters that got to go on an around the world in 80 days type adventure and kind of threw in some of the nutcracker type of whimsy. They could have some dessert in each location and kind of combine the two. Um, so I don't remember the exact way those ideas came together, but my brain kind of connected the two while I was reading Around the World in 80 Days. I love that. And it's such a fun way to take these two elements that many of us have read around the world in 80 days. And many of us love the Nutcracker. But I don't know of anybody else who said, let's sandwich those two together and do our own twist and create our own characters. And voila, here's a new book. So this is your debut full-length novel, which congratulations. That's such a fun, exciting thing. So when you were starting to put it all together, you've had a couple novellas published, which is also really exciting, but there's a big jump to go from a novella that can be anywhere from like 20,000 to 30,000 words to a full length novel. What was the biggest transition for you as a writer to go from that shorter length and more targeted story to something that's much more expansive? And now you're going all over the world into these different locations. Yeah, I think the biggest difference for me was trying to find a plot that would stretch for that length. Um, it didn't really affect my character development that I do other than I got to dive in a whole lot deeper, which was really fun. Um, but it was mainly trying to find a plot that I thought I could make this stretch for this many pages without 
getting bored because it was like, I don't want to get bored because as soon as I'm bored, I know the reader's going to be bored. Um, so that's part of why the Around the World in 80 Days Nutcracker thing kind of gelled for me as a plot kind of structure. It's like, okay, I love grand adventures. So that would kind of give me like an overall plot structure. So then I can find characters that go on a journey, not just physically, but how do I connect that outer journey to an emotional journey so that every place they visit has emotional significance and isn't just, you know, fun and pretty and an excuse for me to do copious amounts of research. Um, so yeah, I think the plotting was the main difference, finding a plot that would stretch and last and keep throwing surprises at the reader. Whereas with the novella, you know, plots can be very simple because you only have so many pages to work with. So yeah, that was the main difference. Absolutely. And you know, I started with novels and then shrunk to novellas and it was like, oh, I've got to be so streamlined where I'm yeah. used to having like lots and lots of pages. So I would think it would be kind of interesting to go from the flip where you're like, you're used to this really tight. And now you're like, I have so many words and so many pages. What do I do with them all? But you could have set this really in any time period. So why 1860s? Well, I've always been fascinated by the Victorian era. So I knew once I started establishing my brand and writing full length that I wanted to stay in that zone of the Victorian era between 1837 and 1901. I was like, that gives me just enough variety that I'm never going to get bored. But it also gives me like a cohesive brand that readers can immediately identify. Um, so I knew I was going to be within that realm. And then once I stumbled upon the around the world in 80 days idea. It was like, okay, they're going to be traveling during the Victorian era. I need to do research on when did the locomotives start coming into existence? When did the steamship start coming into existence? And I wanted to find the time period where the infrastructure was established enough that they could travel with ease, but it was still new enough that my heroine could deal with the fears of oh my gosh, we're going so fast in this gigantic yeah. little box. Um, so I wanted to be able to kind of showcase, you know, the, the newness of the technology, which would have been so fascinating and scary for the Victorians at the time, but also have it built up enough that I wouldn't have to worry about them having any travel, trouble going across Europe. Well, and the, and rail, the railway boom happened about 1860, 1859. So that was the perfect date to set it in. But and you've got this character, the heroine, who is terrified of getting on trains. And so you kind of highlight anxiety and these um, what we now say is kind of a ridiculous fear of railway fever or, you know, the idea that if you get on a this little box, you could get really like go crazy. Um, and then you've got this idea of these fears of insanity, but you also have a hero who's disabled. Mm -hmm. So how did you decide to weave all of these themes of illness and disability and making them really kind of front and center? Because you do it in a way that is just so integrated and just part of these characters, but they, these are primary. They're not secondary supportive characters. These are like the the core characters of your story. Was that something you set out to do or was it just part of, if you're going to have a hero in this time period, chances are high that he's going to have been in a war and there's going to be some kind of lingering impact on him physically from that? 
So yeah, I did not set out to do it. It was not like I sat down and I was like, I want to write a character that deals with this issue and this issue. I just started developing the characters and it kind of happened organically. And I think those two issues popped up because the disability community is so close to my heart. My mom was a special needs teacher for years um, before she retired to raise me. So I grew up in an environment where I was taught to be aware of those around me who had limitations, whether it was mental or physical. And so, and I deal with anxiety myself. So that's kind of just part of how I process life is through a lens of anxiety. Um, so I think it was just an, or, an organic thing for me because um, that's just a part of who I am and how I was raised. And so it, it just kind of became part of the, it, it's not what it, it was really interesting because it was very organic as I was reading the book. It, it didn't like, it wasn't like, it was like, this is an issue book. It was just part of the characters. Um, yeah. So would you say it's, what would you say the theme is? Because it didn't feel like it was how to deal with anxiety. Uh, but it's there. So what's the theme? What's the thing that you hope readers will take away as they're on this amazing adventure with the characters as they're racing all over the world, chasing Grant? Yeah. So the main theme that kept popping up to me as I was writing it was the theme of self-reliance versus God dependence. So each of the characters is self-reliant for different reasons. Um, my heroine, Clara, is self-reliant um, due to the belief that it is her sole responsibility to take care of and protect her family. She believes that weight is completely on her shoulders and that God expects it of her. Um, so she's self-reliant because she thinks, well, this is what God expects it of me. This is my responsibility as a daughter. Um, and then the hero is self-reliant from a place of shame. He's gone through something where he feels like he made a horrendous mistake that he can never get forgiveness from, and therefore he's never going to be clean enough to come to God for help. He knows he needs help, but he doesn't think he's worthy of it, so he won't reach out for it. And then my villain is self-reliant because he thinks depending on anyone, human or God, is insanity because he's gone through things that have taught him you can't depend on anybody. And trusting in anyone other than yourself is just going to lead to heartache and pain. Um, so that was the main thing that I wrestled with as an author crafting these characters is, you know, dependence on God versus reliance on self. And at the end of the day, if we only rely on self, we're going to wind up tired. We're going to wind up weary. We're going to wind up carrying burdens that we were never meant to carry. And we don't have to carry them. Emmanuel is God so that we don't have to be. We can roll those cares and anxieties and shame onto his shoulders. I love that. And it's beautifully portrayed throughout the book um, as they go on their journey and as they encounter situations. Thanks so much for listening to this chapter of Book Talk with Kara, where the world of books comes alive as I talk with authors. I love introducing you to my writer friends in each episode because I know their books will captivate your mind and touch your heart. That's also why I love to write. 
Did you know that I write everything from gripping legal suspense to cozy mysteries and World War II novels? In the pages of my novels, romance intertwines with page-turning suspense and historicals that will transport you to World War II. Ultimately, though, my stories will leave you with hope. And did you know that I have a bookstore up on my website where you can buy the eBooks, paperbacks, and audiobooks direct from me? Exclusively for Book Talk with Kara listeners, enter code PODCAST10 for a special 10% discount on your purchase at karaputman.com backslash shop. That's karaputman.com backslash shop. Now back to this week's episode. So as you're going through the Lady's Guide to Marvels and Misadventures, there are lots of marvels. What was one of the things that as you were researching really surprised you, whether it was about the location or about some of the science and technology that you were incorporating? What was just kind of one of those fun things that you uncovered as you were going? Uh, Well, every single one of the marvels, which are Mm -hmm inventions that my heroine's grandfather makes. He's a clockmaker slash tinker, and he makes these fantastical, marvelous automaton inventions. And every single one of them was a prize to me. The only one that was planned was the flying machine. Every single other one I discovered as I was writing the story. Um, And a lot of them would come about when I would get them to a location um, and be like, okay, it's time for them to find another marvel because the in the story, the grandfather's taking Clara on a scavenger hunt across Europe. Um, and he's using these little mechanical marvels as bread breadcrumb clues to lead her to the different places. Um, so I would get to a new location and it would be like, okay, what what does she need to find next? Sometimes it would be inspired by the location itself when I did research and was like, Hmm, in this particular city, there's a lot of pigeons flying around. So that might be easy to hide. Um, or you get to another location and be like, okay, I happen to notice that's in the setting. And so, because each one of these, he hides them and she needs, they need to be able to be concealed. So it was like, I needed to find a way that he could incorporate these things into the different locations without them immediately being found by someone other than her. Um, so a lot of it was inspired when I was doing the research on the different landmarks and locations. That's so fun. And they were just so intricate. It was, I was like, you must have had fun coming up with those and then kind of sprinkling them along in the plot. Cause I mean, like just the detail you went into and in describing them was such fun to uncover. Now you're relatively at the beginning of your writing journey, but it doesn't mean you've been writing for a short period of time. If you were going to go back and give advice to yourself, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, when you were starting to think about writing, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Oh, wow. So yeah, I've been pursuing publication since 2010. Um, so it's been a long road and it, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I think if I was going to tell my younger writing self one thing, it would be, it's not all up to you. You can't do this alone. You need to abide in God because you literally cannot do anything without him. And you need to abide in community because you're going to need that support on days when it's really hard and you want to give up. And there have been many, many times 
where I seriously prayerfully considered, okay, God, is it time to just put this dream aside? I gave it a shot. I tried. And it was my community of friends and fellow writers who would pop up and keep me going. So how did you first know you were a writer? If you've been at this since 2010, what was that first clue that maybe I want to actually try writing? Um, Well, I started writing when I was really little. Um, I remember one year for Mother's Day, I think I was like five, I wrote my mom a book for Mother's Day and probably had about 12 words in it. And I stapled the pages together so it would look like a book. Um, But I never really considered that I was a writer until towards the end of high school, I was taking an essay class with my homeschool group's co-op. And I was flunking. I was doing awful writing persuasive essays. And my sweet teacher pulled me aside and was asking me, you know, Angela, what do you enjoy doing? What do you like to do? And I said, well, I write these short stories for my siblings. And she was like, next class, I want you to bring them and I want to read them. And she read them and she saw something in them. And she was the one that said, Angela, you're a writer. You need to pursue fiction. You need to start learning the craft. And so I really it. My mentor, Terry Dawn Smith, she was a member of ACFW. She got me connected to the Christian fiction writing community. And the next year, her essay writing class turned into a fiction writing class that I took for three years. Um, Oh, that's awesome. I really credit her with being the one who pointed it out in me. Oh, that's so great. And I think many of us have that person who really was like the instigator, the person who was like, there's something here you need to pursue it, or you should think about this. So when you think about writing, what's your biggest challenge? Oh, I think my biggest challenge is getting through the first draft. I get really paralyzed by blank pages. Um, So making my way through that first draft, I think is one of the hardest things um, craft-wise. Personally, dealing with the anxiety, as I mentioned, is a constant struggle. Um, cause the anxiety will kind of go through a cycle of panic and then paralysis. Um, so I'll have days where it's like, I know I need to write and I'll get so overwhelmed with the panic and then I just freeze. Um, so I think working through both of those things are my greatest challenges. I can see how they feed each the blank page feeds the paralysis yeah. and the back and forth. And so that would be, that would be tricky. Um, But what brings you joy? So there could be the hard days, but then there have to be enough joy-filled days to keep you going, or you wouldn't have novellas and now a novel coming out. So what brings you joy in the middle of the process? Yeah, the thing that brings me the most joy is that initial brainstorming process when I'm getting to know my characters. I love characters. I develop characters before I even think about plot. I will develop a character. And then once I feel like they're a flesh and blood person in my mind, then it's like, okay, what plot is going to facilitate your story? So getting to know the characters, getting to know their story. And then once I start writing, my favorite thing to write ever in the whole world is dialogue. I love banter. I love wordplay. I love nuance and subtext and all of that good stuff. 
I can see that too, because it comes out in the book. It's so much fun, especially between the hero and the heroine. They have some great dialogue that happens in, the, <laughs> you know, as they're traveling around and especially they, they don't always get along. And so there's some really great scenes where they're just going at, well, she's going at him and he's just kind of like, what is this? So I like her. She's spunky. <laughs> so um, how do you celebrate when you finish? Do you have a celebration that you do? Something that you're like, here's how I, I've hit a milestone and I'm going to like really enjoy and engage with it. Yeah. So my first step is usually to indulge in a long nap um, <laughs> and rest. And then after that, I usually go out um, to my favorite Italian restaurant with my family and get pizza, pizza and chocolate. I love it. And I love that you're developing kind of a rhythm to celebration early on. So a lot of us uh, further down the journey, we're like, I asked that question and they go, celebration? And I'm like, that would be what I would say too. celebration. We just go to the next book. So go you get that rhythm now because it is we're celebrating. It's a big deal to finish a book. So you and should. Me, celebration is, is the key to sustaining yeah. career in this industry because there are so many months and years of waiting and rejection and you know, little advances. And then you go, you go a step forward and three steps back. So I've yeah. really had to in order to keep going celebrate every little milestone um to cheer myself up along the way and to celebrate all that God's doing and remember to give him praise um for the good that. things that are happening I love that that's wonderful and such a good discipline to incorporate and develop um so as we get ready to wrap up um, a few quick questions for you sweet or salty Oh, sweet. 100%. <laughs> I love you. You're like, there's no question. Why would we <laughs> go with the other? Tea or coffee? Uh, tea. I love tea it. Iced and sweet or piping hot and sweet, but always sweet. There's a theme. Okay. Sweet. Yes, I, I, was, I was noticing that. Do you like black tea or herbal tea or? Oh, black tea all the way. Okay. Like a constant comment? British breakfast. Oh, okay. So my favorite brew right now is Scottish Morn by Harney and Sons. That's my mm -hmm. go-to breakfast brew in the morning. And then I love a sweet tea in the afternoon, especially during the summer. I live in Texas. It is hot, hot, hot here. So I love to get a glass of iced tea in the afternoon. I love that. And then um, potter or pantser? planster <laughs> I I do a lot of planning and with my characters and then I get just enough plot where I have like a a, a place where I'm starting a place where I want to finish and kind of a point to aim for in the middle so it's kind of like connect the dots yeah um so yeah I'm I'm a connect the daughter I like it. I like it a lot. And you do so much character work that you probably have a pretty good idea of how they would move as you're going, which is great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Angela. And I really, really have enjoyed A Lady's Guide to Marvels and Misadventures. Well done. It's a delightful read. And I wish you all the best as it comes out. Oh, thank so you thank so much. It's been a delight and joy to be here with you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Book Talk with Kara. 
Come back next week to find your next great book and author to try.